understand who Jesus is in their life and what He can actually do. I believe the glory of the Lord, amen, is revealed on any family, on any, in, on any individual who really fully understands how to receive, first of all, His grace. Jesus wants His glory. I, I believe you are to be a model family for all the other families in the earth. Do you believe that? Many of you believe in the Abrahamic covenant where God spoke to Abraham, and one of the, one of the promises in Abraham's covenant, God says, not only will I make your name great, not only will I bless you above all, but he said, through you, Abraham, all of the families of the earth will be blessed. God's plan is to honor you bless you, increase you in such a way that when people see you, there is such, you are such a magnet. You are so attractive to him. I, I know even when I say this, to some of us, we've not heard a gospel like this. Well, so much of us, our, our, our gospel has been a message more of a behavior modification rather than understanding what Jesus has really done for us at the cross and how he's raised us up. In other words, I, I, I think we need to really comprehend the fact that he truly gave us beauty for ashes. He's truly given us the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness and the oil of joy for mourning. I mean, the, the Lord has given us joy. He's given us beauty and he's, he's clothed us with garments of salvation. In other words, your, your life is such a testimony of the goodness and the grace of God that, that we need to be reflecting that. And one of the things that I'm doing, you know, I have two awesome grandkids. And, uh, you know, when you look at them, you, you may not really think they really reflect the glory of God because they're, they're tearing your house up <laughs> we're having a great time you know we just bought this little kitten my wife and i we brought a bought a little a little uh tatty black and white tatty little sweetheart of a kitten and uh she i i she's got to be filled with the holy spirit because after ethan and reagan get done with it the cat looks like dough i mean because it, the cat they, they just pick the cat up by the neck and by the back end and they pull that poor little kitten but uh we're, we're teaching our grandkids right now, even though they're one years old, we're teaching them how honorable they are and how glorious they are. We're, we're speaking words of life into our grandkids. And we're even telling them that even our kitty cat, amen, is a gift from God. And you know, it's amazing. I, I love little Reagan. Reagan's getting it already. When, when we pray, Reagan wants to lay her hands on somebody, and I'll tell you, if you ever get around Reagan, Reagan will lay hands on you. She wants to pray for you. And uh, Ethan already, mom and dad is teaching uh, Ethan how to play the drums and make a joyful noise to the Lord. And, and you know what, when, when you really are, when you're walking and you're living in the glory of the Lord, you begin to look for ways for God's glory to be expressed. And you know, sometimes our, our way of thinking, th there was a day when, in my own thinking, serving the Lord was just a Sunday thing. And I would put on my church hat on Sunday, and oh, t 
today, I guess I'm supposed to think about the Lord and, okay, I'm going to go to church, sing some songs, and hear a preacher preach and, you know, just kind of put the, the God thing on and wear my Jesus lapel pin and, you know, wear my Bible. And, and there was a day where I, I served the Lord like that. It was a Sunday thing. It really wasn't in my life. It wasn't a lifestyle. How many of you believe Jesus wants our life to be a lifestyle, Christianity to be a life? It's, it's, it's to be a, a walk with God. And, uh, but there was also a time where I didn't know that the walk, my walk with the Lord would become so rewarding. It, it's a rewarding walk. It wasn't, uh, there was a day where I saw my, my life in Christ as a, as a mountain climbing experience to see how high I can get on the mountain of his holiness and his righteousness so I could look down and say, wow, wow, I've come a long way. Look what I've done for Jesus. Didn't even realize I was under legalism, under the law. I was trying to serve the Lord. How many of you know that when you understand the message of God's grace, it's not about what you do and how hard you try. It's about what he's already accomplished. And you know, when you begin to live a life from a premise and from a foundation of what he's already done for you, and when you realize that you are now more than conquerors, when you realize that the Spirit of the Lord, which is the liberty and the freedom that he brings. And when you walk in the power of that dominion and that authority, not only are you empowered, but you have the power to empower others. And do you know that all of you this morning are carriers of some kind of glory? You carry something with you, and you are going to pass that on. Amen? How many of you know God wants us to pass his glory great love to others. He wants us to pass on and impart faith to people. You know, I was, I was over here at Lifetime a couple of weeks ago, and I, there was a tall, young, teenage fella. There, there he was kind of taking your membership card when you go into the and, uh, club. And I, I, I just, thank you, honey. Amen. <laughs> but, uh, there, I was, he was in the club there, and as I came in, I, I'd just been getting to know this guy, a really sharp guy, and I, I just said, you know what, I, I've been just saying things to him, I, I, for instance, like this, just kind of some icebreakers. I was just saying, do you know what, you are a, just a tremendous receptionist, and I just appreciate you and your, and he said, well, thank you, thank you. You know, I just, and uh, I said, and then, uh, a couple days would go by, and I said, do you know that you have such potential in your life? And he does this. He says, you think so? You really think so? Yeah. I said, you, you've got great potential. I said, man, your mom and dad must be so proud of you. Ha, he goes, ha, yeah. My mom is really proud, but I don't even know where my dad is. I don't even know my dad. I said, really? I said, wow, he has really missed it. I mean, I said, because you have such potential in your life. And what I was just doing, I was just speaking where I didn't even bring Jesus, didn't even bring the church, didn't even bring the Bible. What I was just doing was just speaking words of encouragement, speaking words of 
uh, of empowerment, speaking words of life into this guy. And he said this. He finally popped this question. And he says, who are you? I mean, I, I've never been so encouraged. I mean, who, who, where do you come from? What, what do you do? Ding, ding, ding. Well, I said, I'm, I'm a Christian. And I said, oh, oh, you're a Christian. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian too. I, and, uh, but he says, uh, I mean, do you always speak this positive? I said, well, no, I haven't. I haven't always spoke. I haven't. Because I haven't seen, I said, there was a time where I, I didn't see the victory. I didn't understand the fullness of what Jesus really raised me up into. And he was so curious about just what I knew. and where Because he, he says, man, every time I go to church, this is what he says, every time I usually go to church, I, I usually feel so bad when I leave. I feel like I've, I've not done enough. I've sin so bad i said well i said you know what you need to come to understand i said don't, don't put your pastor down don't put your church down that's not what we want to do i said the the big problem with a lot of us is we we haven't come to realize the goodness of the father we haven't really come to fully understand what the power and the baptism of the holy spirit was for it was to reveal Jesus. It was to show us the glory of the Lord and this young man's curiosity. And by the way, do, do you know, folks, that, that your life and your love and your demeanor, your mannerism is to convey the kind of life and love to people that attracts them to ask questions about you? People are supposed to ask, who are you? Why do you have such hope? And you know, if, if, we, if we're not walking in that kind of light, then what happens is we really need to take a, a, not to look at ourselves in a way to condemn, but we do need to look at ourselves and ask ourselves, wow, what am I feeding on? Amen. How many of you believe what Matthew 12, 44 says, that a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. An evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, produces evil things. You see, whatever is in your heart, whatever is in your heart is going to be the way you can speak, the way you handle problems, the way you see others, the way you just reflect life. When a man is filled with the love of God, he's filled with the vision. Jesus said this in Matthew 6. He said, if your eye be single, the whole body will be full of light. What he's talking about, the word single there, the eye being single, it means if your eye is healthy. He's talking about your mind's eye. In other words, he's talking about the way you see things. In other words, what lens... Do you view life through? Amen? Amen. What, how, how, i, I got to share something with you. Years ago, I was, uh, I was uh, in a... I used to actually play racquetball in racquetball tournaments. Years ago, yours truly used to be in open racquetball tournaments. My wife will b bear witness to this. And uh, in fact, a couple of times... 
I actually made it to a championship rounds. That was way back in my 20s. I was thinner, and I mean, I, I, I had some awesome backhands and forward kill shots, and I, I mean, I had some, uh, it, those were the days where <laughs> I could move uh, in racquetball, but I'll never forget this one time, my brother was watching the tournament, and I had made it to the final round in racquetball, and I mean, it's, it's a pretty big thing when you come to the final championship round. And uh, when I got to that place, uh, I was getting ready to go into the final round with this guy who was a little bigger, taller than I was. And we were getting ready to go into the final round to play the best two out of three. And when I, when I got in, right before I went into the court, my brother comes up to me, Ron. He's a year younger than me. And he comes up to me and he just says this one little word he said Ray have you ever seen your opponent play and I said no I really don't even know who he is he says he's pretty good by the way Ray he hasn't lost a game yet okay well that's fine okay he hasn't lost a game yet and so all it took was that little seed thought in my brain and so when we get into the court and, you know, I, I'm not into one of these kind of characters that stare down your opponent, you know. And I, but, but this guy was doing that to me, staring me down and that intimidation. And, and all I could think of was what my brother said. He hasn't lost a game yet. And so we're playing the first game, the best out of, uh, the best out of three. Three games, the best of 15 points. In the first game, I just got creamed. But all I could think about during that whole game was what my brother said. He hasn't lost a game yet. And after that, I was so emotionally, I was just frazzled. And I had actually, emotionally, had given up. I just felt, well, wow, he, this guy's really good. And the, he's just so good, and he's got some great shots, and and then as I was taking my five-minute break in the, uh, because they have a five-minute break, water break before we play our second round, then our third round, I'm sitting there thinking on the bleachers what my brother said. That's all I could think about is what Ron said. And finally, it dawned on me, wait a minute, I haven't lost a game yet either. The reason why I'm here is because I haven't lost either. My whole focus was so much on my opponent that I was defeated in the fray, in the battle. And you wouldn't believe what happened, guys. I actually beat him the second and won the tiebreaker and brought home the plaque. <laughs> actually brought home the plaque. I, I became the champion. Uh, by the way, that was in the C-League, by the way. It was no... But uh, I, I won the champion that day. But I learned a valuable lesson how powerful people's words are and how powerful our thought life is. And you know, sometimes we begin to think about things. There are some of you this morning have had words spoken over you. Parents have said things about you. People, friends, I've counseled number of adults that are in their 50s, 40s, 50s, 60s. I've counseled a number of adults that have been polarized 
by a word that was spoken to them from a parent or from a friend that goes clear back to grade school. For years, they have been stunted because of one word that somebody said to them. And it's sad that we allow the devil to rob us of our life that way. Amen? And, and one of the things that is so important when it comes to understanding our high calling, everyone say high calling, that God has given us a high calling. It's not a low calling. It's a high calling. And with that high calling comes tremendous, precious promises. And the Bible says that through these precious promises, our lives are changed into his divine nature. Most people today understand the conditions of God's word more than the promises. And if all you understand is conditions, and then what you end up doing is feeling like you fail the conditions. How, how many of you know that we've all failed and come short of the glory of God? But here's the reason why Jesus came to die is because and when he died and rose again, he hasn't failed. And if we are in Christ, we are new creatures in Christ. And so what Jesus did on the cross is that he quickened our spirit, raised us together with him. And today, right now, every one of you that confesses Jesus, you are now not only called, you are not only justified, but Bible says in Romans 8, 29 and 30, that he has also glorified himself in you. Now, the problem is, even though my spirit man has been glorified, that means that I've overcome every sin. That means that he has imputed into me right now his righteousness. I am right now the holiness. God's holiness and his righteousness dwells in my life. When the Father looks at me, he sees the blood covering over my life, and he sees the complete righteousness of Jesus. I am no longer... A hostage to somebody's words or someone's feelings. I'm no longer a hostage to my own self assaults that I've done to myself. There are people that have made that have that have spoken word curses over themselves, and I'm here to tell you this morning that the blood of Jesus has destroyed the curse, destroyed those inner curses and those inner vows that. Some people have made towards you as well as what you've said over yourself. When God called Israel out of Egypt and brought them into the wilderness, there was a season where the Lord told Moses to take 12 spies and send them into the land. And God did this to test them. By the way, anytime God tests you, do you know that it's not for God to see how you will do? Because how many of you know God already knows how you will do? He never needs to test you because he needs to learn something. He already knows the way you're going to react. The purpose of every test is for you to see how you will do. Amen? Everyone say me. God wants to show you. And so anytime you are confronted with a challenge of any kind, God will use different situations to show you where you are at. Amen. It's not intended to intimidate you. Actually, what he wants to do is he wants you to see that the intent of you seeing where you're at is not to 
dispose or discourage you. It's so that you will do what David said in Psalms 121. He said, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills for whence cometh my help, for my help comes from the Lord. Do you know that when you're in a valley, the purpose of every valley is to cause you to look up to the mountain? God wants you to lift up your eyes, amen? The purpose of every problem is to cause you to look up. It was not intended for you to stay there, stay in that valley. God sent Moses, God told Moses to send 12 spies in, and when they came back, the Bible says, now keep in mind, God's plan and God's purpose was for Israel to possess the land. But 10 spies came back with an evil report. 10 verses 2. How many, of you, how many of you are thankful that God does not see things from a democratic viewpoint? God does not look for the popular vote. I have a message entitled, Jesus is not an American. Uh, he does not need our vote. In fact, you'll find that in most cases in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament, where the, population, the, the populace had voted one way, it's usually off from what God says. And uh, we find that when the ten spies came back, they brought an evil report. And the reason why they brought an evil report was because they looked at themselves and compared themselves among themselves, and then they begin to assault themselves by saying, we are nothing but grasshoppers in the sight of the enemy. They begin to belittle themselves, they put themselves down, and they did not realize that God had caught, raised them. He brought them out of slavery. And remember, it's, it's one thing for God to deliver Israel out of Egypt, but it's another thing to get Egypt out of Israel. And there was a slave mindset, there was a poverty mindset that needed to be delivered out of the children of Israel. They were thinking like victims. They were living like victims. They were speaking like victims. Woe, woe, woe is me. And when we come into the kingdom of God, there is no place for that kind of communication. There is no place for that because what Jesus did on the cross, when he said it was finished, he meant it. And what he meant was this, is that he's raised you up and he's delivered to the church and to every saint through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He's given to you all the necessary tools to make you a winner in every part in every, in every part of your life. Most people today have this what I call rapture mentality, which is just, get me out of here, Jesus, quick. Now, God's not interested in just rapturing the church. He's interested in coming back for a church that is going to be healthy without spot or wrinkle. And when he comes back, he's coming back for a glorious church. He's coming back for people who are not cowards, who are not weak. If you go back in Revelations 22, when he talks about before those that are before the great white throne judgment, you'll find out that some of the things that the Lord says, powerful stuff there in Revelations 22, he says those who are idolaters and unbelieving and those who are cowards will not enter in to that holy city. I, I don't know about you folks, but I don't want to be a coward. I want, I want to take what God says at his word, and we need to march and possess the land. We're called to be giant. We're called to be dragon slayers. We're called to 
take the city. We're, we're, we're called to cast out demons. We're called to heal the sick, to bring the kingdom. You're called to be a carrier of the kingdom. And so, so the message that we're bringing through this pulpit and the prophetic word that I believe that is to this church is a word of victory and a word of triumphant understanding and understanding the glory and the honor that you possess and we need to renew our minds and line up with and begin to walk in that glory. And then when we begin to believe it, receive it, then we begin to dispense it and begin to empower others that are around us. God never intended for us to... Uh, just live for the sweet by and by and the someday that is to come. I, uh, when I was over in uh, Bethel in uh, Redding, California, a couple, a month or so ago, my wife and I, one of the things that I was tremendously astonished by is that they have children, five, six, seven years of age, coming up to you and they want to pray for you. But not only do they want to pray for you, they have prophetic words, and these kids' children are getting visions from the Lord. And the reason why this is happening, happening is because the leadership and the parents in that church are cultivating in the hearts of those children that God can pour out His Spirit upon young men and young girls and give them visions and dreams. And guess what? God's speaking to children. Five, six, seven, eight. Now, I was blown away. I'd never seen that in my life. And the reason is, is because in that climate, in their culture, in their church climate, they're cultivating a revival atmosphere that God is alive and God is real and God wants to literally burst in on your scene and he wants to burst in and reveal and manifest himself to anybody who is thirsty and hungry and willing to believe what he has for them. There's, a, there's a, an interesting scripture. In fact, uh, I actually had a, a, a person give me this scripture as a word from the Lord one time, and it blew me away. It's in Matthew 7 where Jesus said, Do not throw your pearls before pigs or swine, and do not give that which is holy unto dogs, lest they trample on it. A person actually gave me that word one time. I was actually offended by that. How dare them give me until I begin to go to the Lord and the Lord said to me, spoke to me this. This was, by the way, back in the 90, 1990s. Uh, I was praying about going up to Toronto, Canada. There was a move of God that was happening up in that place and it was at Pastor John Arnott's church. It was a vineyard church up there. The Lord was moving in a mighty way. And uh, I had been invited to go, but I just decided not to go. I just felt I didn't need to go, and I began to just kind of excuse myself. I just began to make excuses. I, I don't need to go. I mean, God's moving in Dallas, and that's true. God can move anywhere. And by the way, you don't have to go to a place to experience the move of God. I, I understand that. You, you know, God, God moves wherever there's hunger and wherever there's people that are thirsty. But, but, but the Holy Spirit, during this time, this individual, this fat couple actually gave me a word and, and, and they said, God wants to really move through you, Pastor Ray, but God cannot give that which is holy unto dogs and you will not throw his... And I said, Lord, am I a dog? 
And the Lord said, no, you're not a dog and you're not a swine. But, but the Lord says, you are not willing to receive what you don't understand. And you're not willing to receive what offends you. And boy, did that hit me. I said, oh God, I, I, I'm not going to be offended as long as I know it's you. As long as I know it's you, Lord, I won't be offended. And the Lord said, you're offended. How many of you have ever had the Holy Spirit say you're offended and you said, no, no, I'm not. I'm not offended. I'm just fine. Uh, I'm not insulted. Well, boy, I, I, was, I was in my own prayer class and I was actually fasting and praying. And the Lord spoke to me, said, Ray, there is so much I want to give you. There's so much I want to speak and reveal myself to you, but you're not ready to hear it. I said, Lord, I'm always ready to receive from you, Lord God. I am, I am, I am. So the Lord said, no, you're not. I said, show me then where I'm blind. I mean, I, I was really seeking the Lord. And the, this, I mean, it was almost audible. The Lord said, I want you to get on a plane, go up to Toronto, Canada. And right there, I had a problem. Why do I need to go? Why can't you just speak? No, get on the plane, God. So I, that was when I took John Stanson with me. But I went up there, and the first thing that starts happening is people are being prayed for, and they're being slain in the Spirit. Now, I'm not against being slain in the Spirit. I understand the Holy Spirit. The power of God can fall upon people and connect their flesh. But, but there was the, the manifest presence of God was so real. But it wasn't just that people were being slain, but I saw some things that, that, that disturbed me. I mean, I saw people shaking on the ground. And uh, I saw people just laughing hilariously, just in, in holy laughter. Were just, and I thought to myself, boy, those guys only knew how stupid they looked. And the Lord, when I, when I would make those comments, the Holy Spirit just, Ray, see what you're doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? I mean, the, 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 this is ridiculous. This is, no. And then I begin to just second guess, wow, I am coming here and I have got a critical spirit. And I didn't know I had. I didn't know that I had become offended because what was God was doing was outside my comfort zone. He was saying and moving in the services that were beyond what I could think and see. And so I began to just say, wow, Lord, I guess I have really put myself in a box and I began to realize how much I was resisting the Holy Ghost and didn't even know it. And the Lord said, are you willing to let me have my way in your life? In fact, the Lord asked me this question. Will you give me my church back? I said, Lord, I don't have your church. He says, you got it. You got my church. When you give it back, and I, I mean, I, I, it was a humbling thing. By the way, even just saying this to you is humbling right now. I mean, Pastor Ray, I, I, di I, didn't, 
I didn't think I thought it was my church. But the Lord says, will you give me my church back? As I said, Lord, I, I thought everything belonged to you. I thought I made that. He says, no, you, you've confessed that with your lips. But you really don't mean it in your heart. How many have ever done that? Have you ever said, Lord, I surrender some. I surrender some. Some. To, no, no. I was singing, I surrender all, but I didn't really surrender all. I was holding back. And then the Lord, it's amazing how the Holy Spirit so graciously and so lovingly, and I'm so great, grateful that He is so patient with us. When I come back from Toronto, John Stanson and I came back, I begin to realize, wow, Lord, I have been in a bubble. And I didn't even realize that there was so much more that the Lord had to do and what He wanted to do. And the Lord said, give me my church back. Give me your ministry back to me. And I remember I just began to release it. And I'll never forget the first, one of the first things that happened is God just bounced on me with joy. I remember there were times that I just broke out in laughter. I thought I was an idiot. But I, I mean, God was, just, God was just moving in my heart and releasing. And, and then I, I began to see the Bible for instance, 2 Corinthians, you all know Scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 18, 19, where it says, For when a man turns to the Lord, the veil is lifted. And for where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom or liberty. And I realized that I had never known the freedom of the Lord. You know, a person who is not truly free, is more self-conscious and man-conscious than he is God-conscious. And the first thing the Lord began to deliver me from was being self-conscious and worrying about what man thinks. I need to be worried about what God thinks rather than what man thinks. Because you see, if you're going to be in a church that is moving forward, remember last week we talked about the river? The river of God is a, is a the, the, the presence of the Lord is a movement. God is moving by His Spirit. God, God never stagnates. He never stops. He's moving. But not only does He move, rivers also turn. There's times where you may be going down one way and my God, I love the flow of the river. Then the river turns. Wait a minute, God. We, we weren't going to do this. Why are we turning this way we were going this way i was going this way god and now you've turned the river now i'm doing things that just not where i thought it's sad but there's a lot of people today that join churches where they want the river they want the river to flow one way and don't don't you dare turn this way or that way you keep the river i want this river predictable i want to predict where it's going because i need to be safe in my own intellect and the way i see things so if you really want to follow the river it's going to turn and it's going to flow different speeds and there's going to be times where you're just along for the ride and you don't know how this thing's and where it's going 
You know, becoming people of his presence is becoming people who first know how to hear his voice. My sheep, Jesus didn't say, my sheep hear my word. He says, they hear my voice. Do I hear his voice? When Jesus speaks to me, am I responding to his voice? Or am I responding to what I want him to say? I remember one of the most difficult things for me was to surrender my idea and my ideals. And I had to lay it down and just say, Lord, I surrender your church back to you. I remember telling John Stanson that. I said, John, we've got to learn to follow the river. We've got to learn to follow the cloud. And John said with me, and I remember at the time we were elders here in the church and we just made a commitment to say we're going to follow the Holy Spirit's leading. And we've, we've made that commitment ever since. And by the way, we're still growing and we're still learning. The, the, the other thing that I've learned in following the river is that you're never in this move of God too long. You're never around it and in it enough where you think you know all about it. You never want to think that you have it all and know it all. Jesus said, except you become as little children, you will by no means enter into the kingdom of God. You, know, you don't think about little children. Children know how to have fun. Have you noticed that? And you know another thing about a child? They run for the nearest mud puddle. They know how to make the best. You know, it's amazing. When we get old, we have a hard time because we, we want to be dignified and we want to be we want to keep our manners in check. I'm not suggesting that the church just becomes a wild free-for-all or a three-ring circus. But I do believe there are times where the Holy Spirit will move and makes a mess out of everything that there's nothing that human flesh can do. If you, if you go back in the Old and the New Testament, when, when Solomon, for instance, they had just offered the Passover and the sacrifice. They had offered some 50,000 cattle and they were dedicating the temple of Solomon. And Solomon had brought all the priests and the singers and the players on instruments and they were all bring, making worship. And Solomon had just ended his, his, this massive prayer to the Lord reciting the covenant that God had spoken to Moses. The Bible says that after he finished praying that the glory of the Lord had so filled the house that the priests could not enter it it because of the, the sight and the splendor of the glory of God. And it says they could not stand on their feet. When John in Revelations 1 says that he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, the Bible says he fell on his face. You know, I, I, want, I, I want to leave you with this and then we're going to pray because I, I'm just opening this up. There, there are three encounters that we have in our relationship with the Lord. The first encounter we have 
is when we are born again, when we receive Jesus. How many of you know we are filled with the Spirit of God? When, when we are saved, the Spirit of God comes in and bears witness with our spirit that we are a child of God. That happens when you are saved. Your spirit is quickened. There is a, that encounter begins to, uh, it, it identifies and affirms you as a child of God. One of the things that you know that you're born again and the Holy Spirit is living inside of you is you have departed. You have come out of the world. And the things of the world do not have the kind of pull or influence over your life that it used to have. I find that when a person is truly born again, all of a sudden there are new desires in your life. You have a, you have, how many of you know a newborn baby? When a newborn baby is born, the first thing it wants to do, it wants to breathe and wants to eat. It's a sign that you're born again. You have a hunger for the Word. You have a hunger for God. You're born and there's, a, there's the uh, connection that you have with other believers. When people don't want to be in the house of God, they have no desire for brothers and sisters. That concerns me about their salvation. Because one of the signs Jesus said that, He said that you shall know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. In other words, if you don't love the church, you don't love God's house, something wrong in the foundation there. So in other words, when the Holy Spirit is in you, there's, there's connection. I, I just I love to be around God's people, not only to be around them, but I, I, I need them and I, I need you. And when we're together, the, the manifest presence begins to reveal. God reveals His Spirit in, in powerful ways. But we not only experience the infilling upon salvation, but the second, count, second encounter that Jesus encouraged in the book of Acts was when he told his disciples and the 500 followers, he said, you're to tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power. He was speaking of the baptism. How many here are baptized in the Holy Ghost? The purpose of the baptism is subsequent to the infilling on salvation. Because Jesus made it very clear that when you are baptized with the Holy Ghost, you shall receive power. It is different than the infilling that comes through salvation. The purpose of the power was to anoint you and to resurrect and bring alive the gifts that he's put within you so that you would be truly an effective witness in the earth, in the community, in the, in the place around you. You are anointed. Everyone say, I am anointed. You have power on you. And you, have the, you carry with you the very glory and the splendor of heaven. You are a magnet. You reflect something of His beauty. You, you spread the beauty. You have the power to change atmospheres. When you come in the room, the light comes on. Because of the glory of God. That's the baptism and the life and the power of the Holy Ghost. The third encounter the Bible teaches, and it's found in Acts 3, where Peter said, Repent, therefore, and be converted. By the way, he wasn't speaking to unbelievers there. He was speaking to the church. He was talking about, get your mind renewed. 
Line up with your thought. He says, repent, be converted, that God may send you seasons of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. In other words, you carry with you the very manifest presence of God that bring refreshing. God wants to manifest the refreshing. When people get around you, they should say, wow, Shirley, you are such a refreshing. Man, Dwight, gay, what a blood. You, you know, you're just like, you're just like a spring rain, man. I, I get around you. You guys just rain on my dry soul, and you just, you just hydrate me. I am saturated with God's love. By the way, they really do, too. And Tony and Joanne, man, you guys are just sweetness. Just the sweetness of God's love and mercy and just the, the love of God and the, the grace of God and wisdom of God. And that, that's what happens is because we have been in His presence. You see, when you're in the presence of God, guess what? God's presence makes you sweet. You're sweet. Amen. Everyone say sweet. You're not sour. You're not ugly. You're not, you're not intimidating. You're not, you're not negative. You're not resisting. There's a sweetness. There's love there. You're not pushing people away. You're saying, come on in. We love everyone. We love the sinner. We love everyone. Everybody's welcome at his table. When you've been in the presence of God, you're no longer self-conscious. You're God-conscious. You're no longer worried about, well, you just don't understand what I went through, Pastor. You just don't understand how they hurt me and they stepped on my toes and they just bruised me. You know what the problem is with that person? They're not dead yet. Stick a fork in them. You see, only a crucified believer is the kind of believer that experienced the abundant life. If you haven't lived the crucified life yet, and you're still living after your own flesh, wow, you're going to be guarded. Look out. Look out. There's Christians. There's Christians. Oh, run, 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 run. Oh, here they come. That's the way some believers act. They're full of fear, full of weirdness. There's no love in them. There's no gentleness. There's no patience. There's no faith. There's no vision because they haven't been in the presence of the Lord. But when you're in the presence of God, man, all of a sudden the walls come down. Walls are coming down. You're no longer living in the spirit of fear, but the power, love, and a sound mind begin to possess your life. You're attractive. You're attracting people. You're reaching people. You're building faith in people. You're prophetic, not pathetic. You're, you're, you, you, you have vision. You're sowing. You're scattering seed. You're speaking life in people. That's the course of this church. One thing I'm so blessed, we are among some amazing people in New Life Fellowship. And I'm not just saying that. God has birthed some amazing, powerful ministries in this church that haven't even come to their full potential yet. 
They're seeing it. Some of them are seeing it. But some of them are going to outgrow New Life Fellowship. They're going to outgrow this church. Some of you guys are going to outgrow this church. Praise God. And we want that to happen. God is breaking the orphan spirit off this house and bringing sons and daughters into the kingdom. We're ruling and reigning. We're sons and daughters of honor. We recognize that we are royalty. We recognize we are special treasures, a holy nation, called, chosen, anointed, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we have a testimony that is so amazing that can bring any individual to Christ and deliver any person who's demon-possessed. I'm so excited about that. And it's all because of the Holy Spirit. I want you to bow your heads this morning you know the Lord the Lord just keeps speaking to me that great days are ahead for great people and you are a great people you're great men and women of God you are great you have great family your foundation is great God said to Abraham, I'm going to make you great and your name will be great. And He has to make you great because you reflect a great God. You're not weak. You're not poor. You're not a victim. You're not just hanging in there. No, you are more than conquerors. He's come to overwhelm us this morning with His goodness. You know, the Christmas season is not just about Jesus just kind of giving us some gifts here. The Christmas season is a baptism of power and life. It's a baptism of His nature and His goodness and His love being birthed in us. Maybe this morning you may say, Pastor Ray, I need this. I need to surrender myself like you surrendered yourself. I just I, I, I know the Lord has so much more for me. I want to be a man, a woman of vision. I need the Lord to impart that kind of vision in my life where I begin to see what He's saying and what He's doing for me. I need that vision. If that's you this morning, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray with you right now. Amen. I see your hands. Okay, see your hand. God has something so powerful. Something so, about four or five hands raised their hand this morning. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet, shall we? I believe the Lord really desires to set us free. The Bible says when a man turns to the Lord, the veil is lifted. Let me tell you what turning to the Lord really means. When I turn to the Lord, I take my eyes off myself and I turn it on to Jesus. That's what one part of turning to the Lord is. The other part of turning to the Lord involves trust. Everyone say trust. When you trust in the Lord with all your heart, He says, do not lean unto your own understanding. I need to lay my mind 
And I need to lay the right, the right to think the way I think. I need to lay my right down and say, Lord, have your way with me. Because you see, the journey that is so rewarding, the journey that is so powerful and so glorious is a journey that requires you to give up your right to think the way you think. You have to surrender your thinking, your mind. Your mind is one of the most powerful organs. The Bible says in Proverbs, for as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So how are you thinking this morning? How's your thought life? Are you thinking good thoughts? Is there a deposit of God's goodness, His glory? Or do you have a mind filled with unbelief? Are are you small-minded? Do you possess grasshopper thinkers? This morning, the Lord wants to empower your mind and your heart this morning. He wants to give us the mind of Christ. I want everyone to lay your hands just on your forehead. Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Father, we pray that You will change our minds. Fill our minds, Lord, with the knowledge of Him who multiplies grace and peace. Father, we just surrender our thoughts. We surrender our plans. Father, we want to follow the cloud. We want to be a church who follows Your presence, surrenders to Your presence. We desire, Lord, to become worshipers of Spirit and in truth. Lord, we do not want to fight You. We don't want to be in a conflict with the Holy Spirit. We want to flow with the Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask You, Lord, to let the probing light of Your Spirit search our hearts. Lord, we surrender to You. We become as little children. Lord, we come with a sense of expectancy. We come, Lord, help us to even become foolish. For God hath chosen the weak and the foolish things of the world to confound the wisdom of men. Lord, we surrender all, not some. We know that we're coming into a season of supernatural, miraculous outpourings where you're going to move like you did with Stephen and Peter and even the very shadow of some here in this house. There's going to be healings and breakthroughs that we've never never seen before because we embrace that which is beyond reason. Father, we just thank you this morning for the precious Holy Spirit. We surrender all and we give you high praise in Jesus' name. And everyone said... 